All right, joining us now in the program is Capital Public Radio's News Director, Joe Barr. Joe, welcome to Radio Parallax. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Well, uh, Walter Cronkite, uh, I think, casts a shadow over over news reporting and has for for quite some time. Uh, He has. I mean, it's amazing that uh, he is still well-known today among younger journalists, and he's kind of on a pedestal to a great extent. And he really represents a golden era, for lack of a better term, in journalism. Uh, I think what many people perceive to be a, a better era of journalism. It's certainly a credit to his journalistic abilities that uh, he's so respected to this day. I mean, he's up there with Edward R. Murrow. Yeah, I thought it is sort of funny that we uh, we introduced him last segment by noting that uh, that if you Google the most trusted man in America, that uh, <laughs> that the web search engine will pull up sites related to Walter Cronkite. Yeah, and you know that goes to to what I was saying. It's, he still resonates today, and I think people kind of long for you know something similar. Um, we are barraged with so many different news outlets these days, and I think people question who. Who can they trust? They're, they're wondering that, and they're looking to somebody who they can trust, and Walter Cronkite represents that. It's been my experience that people uh, on the left and people on the right sort of perceived Cronkite as being on the other side. Liberals think he was a little conservative. Conservatives think he was a little bit liberal, and, and his, his own belief was that if he's getting complaints that balance out on either side, he's probably where he needs to be. Well, I mean, that's, that's exactly right, and that's, I think, how a lot of journalists look at what they do. And if they're getting complaints from both sides, then uh, maybe they're doing something right. Now, Joe, you used to be part of CBS, uh, the CBS team. Yeah, I, I was there for a very short period of time at CBS Radio, and it's interesting because uh, the radio aspect of CBS News is down in the basement at Blackrock on uh, West 57th. And it's kind of a, a cavernous sort of place. And in fact, when you walk down the long hallway, there are meat hooks on the walls in certain places because the building used to be a, a meat packing <laughs> facility. It's, it's kind of odd, and you can uh, you make, up, make up your own joke with that. <laughs> in one corner of the the radio area the main newsroom area uh is walter cronkite's old backdrop from his days broadcasting on cbs television uh it's just one small portion that's left over the desk is gone the rest of the room has been reconfigured to a great extent but the this backdrop is still there and as part of a tour that comes through every once in a while that's always pointed out and apparently an exciting part of the tour for people to see that because once again it harkens back to uh, what's perceived as a, a better era in journalism. Well, it's sort of interesting to read about Cronkite that that he he more or less jump started the whole uh, anchor phenomenon because the the CBS radio team Murrow's team was of course all all the golden boys of, of broadcasting for CBS but they were in Korea in the early 50s and they were looking for someone to anchor the the television show and and they went with Cronkite. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and I, I hadn't heard that. It's certainly worth noting that in light of the fact that many people, well, and this has actually been a sentiment for a while now, they say that the, the anchor system is dying, the, the singular male anchor um, on a major network, that phenomenon is nearing its end. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, there's certainly a lot of other news outlets 
for people to access, and so they don't have to go to Brian Williams or Peter Jennings or uh, Dan Rather or whoever is going to replace him. And I, I think that's why CBS is kind of taking their time and figuring out what they want to do because the, the age of the male anchor that is embodied so greatly by Walter Cronkite is possibly near its end. Yeah, I was sort of startled, Joe, to realize that you go back to 1948, it seems that there have been only three anchors at CBS. They started out with Douglas Edwards, Cronkite replaced him, ran for 20 years, and then rather replaced Cronkite for 21 years. And it's, uh, it's amazing to think that there's only three people that have sat in that chair. Yeah, it's, it's amazing job longevity in an industry that has huge turnover. These are, it's a, I guess, a testament to their talent or their, their, at least their skills at hanging on to their jobs, but they're so high profile that they certainly had to be good at what they did to hang on for so long. As somebody who's been in this business for a while and worked in a lot of different places, I have to admit I'm kind of envious. Cap Radio, of course, uh, uh, brings Walter Cronkite to, to local listeners. Every time he does one of his commentaries, and he seems to turn one out every few months, then uh, then we get a chance to hear. Yeah, and uh, Daniel Shore is another veteran news person who is heard from time to time on NPR. Once again, I, I think it comes back to the fact that they're they're voices of authority. They command your attention. Maybe you don't agree with them, but you know that it's at least worth listening to their viewpoints. And, and I think it's a good outlet for them because as news people, they quite often couldn't give their opinions, but now they're able to veer into that territory. We should probably put a plug in, too, for the NPR website. It's got backlogged on there those, uh, those commentaries that Cronkite does do. And I've gone back and listened to a few of those, and I'm, I'm, I'm just blown away at how, how good he still is. Yeah, he, he really is. And, and I might also put in a plug for our own website, which is now newly redesigned. Okay. Capradio.org. All right. And yes, you guys do have a wealth of, of good stuff on there. Yeah, we try. Well, Joe Barr, thanks for talking with us. You guys are doing some great work over there at Cap Radio. I'll keep it up. Uh, I appreciate uh, you having me on uh, today, Doug, and uh, you do great work yourself, so thank you very much. All righty. We had a little bit of more time today uh, with Mr. Cronkite. I would have liked to have asked him about uh, one of our local connections to CBS, Van Gordon Sauter, formerly the general manager of uh, KVIE Channel 6 had quite a role to play in what happened in CBS right at the interface between the Cronkite era and the Dan Rather era. He's a busy man. I'm grateful for what we had in terms of his time, but if I'd had a few more minutes, I would have asked him about Van Gordon Sauter. I think what we're going to do, and I, and I tried to probe one of our local news people who I thought might know about the story. I've got a lead, but uh, we'll have to return to that in the future. I think it is an interesting uh, story in its own right, worthy of probably a segment on this program. I would just quote Mr. Cronkite from, uh, from his autobiography saying the following. President Bill Leonard was removed, and into his place went ambitious Van Gordon Sauter, who was playing the company's executive chairs. He believed his job was to build Rather's reputation at whatever cost, and he seemed to be aiming to climb on Rather's back to the presidency of CBS television. The first order of business was to clear CBS News of all the veterans who had helped create its reputation. 
In his retirement, Walter Cronkite was anything but shy about his criticism about what happened at CBS, and I think that'll, that'll figure in our future discussion uh, on this very issue. It's been rumored that Mr. Sauter had a lot to do with the disappearance uh, of Walter Cronkite from a prominent position at CBS, and his book states uh, the following... At Bill Paley's suggestion, I was put on the corporate board. Meanwhile, I was being treated by Sauter and his minions like a leper. Flipping through, there's another, another quote I would like to, to enter into the record here on today's program. Uh, and I do wish our, our local uh, writer would have, would have joined me, but, but uh, this is something you wouldn't expect to hear from Walter Cronkite, necessarily. The major problem is simply that television news is an inadequate substitute for a good newspaper. It's not too far a stretch to say that the public's dependence on television for the bulk of its news endangers our democratic system. While television puts all of the media in the shade in its ability to present in moving pictures the people and places that make our news, it simultaneously fails in outlining and explaining the more complicated issues of our day. For those who either cannot or will not read, equally shameful in a modern society, television lifts the floor of knowledge and understanding of the world around them. But for the others, through its limited exploration of the difficult issues, it lowers the ceiling of knowledge. Thus, television news provides a very narrow intellectual crawl space between its floor and ceiling. He adds, the nation whose population depends on the explosively compressed headline service of television news can expect to be exploited by the demagogues and dictators who prey upon the semi-informed. I wish we could add Walter Cronkite's signature line at this point. And that's the way it is, February 17th, 2005. Uh, he, he does note in the book that, that uh, Dick Salant, who'd worked with him, hated that line, thought it sounded very presumptuous, but that uh, they were going to have feature stories that would add a little whimsy to the end of the broadcast that that would be tagged onto. But they had no time for that, so they went ahead anyway, and Cronkite agreed. In retrospect, it probably did sound a little bit presumptuous. He was trying to have a sort of a, a signature line along, uh, along the lines of Lowell Thomas's So Long Until Tomorrow or Edward R. Murrow's Good Night and Good Luck. And uh, actually, I, you know, I, I think on the end it worked just fine. Everybody remembers that classical way that Cronkite closed the CBS Evening News. We've got about uh, five or six minutes, it looks like, so let's, let's, let's cover a few more news uh, and reporting-related stories that are in the headlines. We've had former Ambassador Joseph Wilson on this program twice. Um, the issue of, of the outing of his CIA um, analyst wife uh, is reverberating in Washington. Time Magazine's Matthew Cooper and the New York Times' Judith Miller could go to jail for refusing to divulge their sources about the leak of Valerie Plame's uh, name to the media. Interestingly, Robert Novak, who first published her name, getting it from a high administrative source, um, has not been threatened with jail. It's very strange. I don't, know, I don't know what to think about this case in some aspects. Uh, certainly you want to see um, uh, a newspaper and, and media sources protected so the public can gain valued information from whistleblowers with inside the government. But in this case, it appears this was retribution, retaliation, and an illegal leaking of, uh, of the name of a, uh, a government agent as a retaliation for Ambassador Wilson attempting to act as a whistleblower. We've talked about Judith Miller before. We will talk about her again. Uh, she appears to have a pipeline to high-ranking sources, and uh, they are feeding her 
interesting stuff. She's writing story after story about weapons of mass destruction that never emerged in Iraq before the war. Now she seems to be on the oil for uh, food program to discredit the UN, while all of her stories seem to ignore any U.S. complicity in any of that oil for food when it seems pretty clear the U.S. was looking the other way as money was going in and out of, uh, of Iraq. We will continue to follow that story. And as news agencies have cut back on their foreign bureaus, uh, we seem uh, more and more dependent upon centralized news, um, news reporting. Uh, there was recently an assassination of the former premier of Lebanon, and it seems that Syria is being blamed. Even though I've been sent emails from Jerry, who listens out in Pennsylvania, noting that Professor Juan Cole, who seems to have excellent sources in the Middle East, noted that after that uh, bomb blew up, a video surfaced wherein a Saudi rebel group claimed responsibility. I'd like to see some better journalism there. If it was Syria, what evidence do we have that Syria was responsible? And apparently the U.S. Congress taking last year's showing of a breast by, uh, by Janet Jackson um, as a mandate to clean up the airwaves now has a bill that's, uh, that passed the House Commerce Committee with the House about to consider that's going to raise the maximum fine from indecency from 32000 to $500,000, with individual broadcasters possibly being held accountable for that amount. We'll return to that one, too. And a breaking story that's getting a lot of attention by a lot of bloggers, but not necessarily by the mainstream media, is about the story of the fake journalist Jeff Gannon, real name J.D. Guckert, uh, who was apparently in the White House press room asking, asking softball questions for the past couple of years from the supposed Talon News Service that turns out that um, it's a non-existent news service, nothing more than a shill for a bush front called GOP USA, which is itself affiliated with GeorgeBush.com, the Texas-based Republican Christian group associated with Karl Rove. I am fascinated by this story. Apparently, Gannon, uh, and there's, there's another complicating factor of him appearing on gay websites and being an escort and a possible prostitute. This is a very bizarre story. But uh, Jerry did note, he looked at some of the, uh, the clips they've had on the web, where when things are getting tough for Scott McClellan, he turns to um, this so-called Jeff Gannon and would say, Jeff, at which point he would offer a question such as, the Hillary Clinton crowd... Uh, they say the economy is close to collapse, but they say Social Security is rock solid. Tell us, Mr. President, how do you deal with Democrats that have lost touch with reality? That's the kind of stuff we got in the White House. Fake news people being uh, assisted by the Bush administration to feed softball questions to the president. We've talked about uh, network uh, news broadcasts all hour today, but let's just close with a bit of study of local TV newscast, study by the Annenberg School of Communications and News Lab of the University of Wisconsin-Madison, examined 44 network affiliate evening newscasts in 11 markets. Here is how a typical newscast about the time the November election broke down. Ads, 8 minutes. Sports and weather, 6 minutes. Elections, 3 minutes, 11 seconds. Crime, 2 minutes, 34 seconds. Local interest, 2 minutes. Teasers, 1 minute, 43 seconds. Health, 1 minute 20 seconds. Other, 1 minute 12 seconds. Injuries, 55 seconds. Business economy, 47 seconds. Bringing up the rear, Iraq, 
25 seconds, and foreign policy, 13 seconds. Sorry to say, things have fallen a long way since 1981 when Walter Cronkite was doing the news. Uh, That is it for today's show. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. This has been Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We look forward to talking to you again next Thursday at 5 o'clock. We hope you will tune in for another special program, this time on the issue of mad cow disease in America. Thank you.